Welcome to the Spike Camp Podcast. Spike Camp is a free online community for hunters that support conservation. It's a great place to share stories and your experience with other hunters. As a member of Spike Camp, you get access to all of our hunting live streams, discussion channels, contests, hunter resources, and events that we host. Membership to Spike Camp is free. Our only ask is that you are a member of a hunting or conservation group before you register. Head over to spikecamp.com to join us. This episode of the Spike Camp Podcast is brought to you in part by Precision Optics. Omer and his team are the ones to trust when it comes to mountain hunting gear, guns, and optics. Precision Optics is a major supporter of conservation, and we are proud to partner with them. Head over to precisionoptics.net and tell them that Spike Camp sent you. Well, welcome everybody to this Camp Chat live stream. This is the time of year when hunters are counting days until hunting season. Uh, predator hunting is a great way to scratch that itch. Not to mention, it's also extremely fun. It's a riot when you get out, when you get animals coming in. It's awesome. Uh, tonight's guest has taken that itch to a whole new level. I'm probably going to butcher your, your last name, but I want to welcome Chris Hogan. How do you Hoyan. spell it? How do you? Yeah. Close, yeah. All right, good. See, I told you I'd butcher it. Uh, Chris has uh, a I guess it's a, uh, I don't know what to call it. I guess you have a brand called Predator World Hunting. So, Chris, uh, welcome to Spike Camp. Nice, great um, to be here. Awesome. I appreciate you doing this tonight. And, um, Chris is in in uh, Saskatchewan. You're in the Regina area, I think, right? That's correct, yep. Awesome. Well, maybe the uh, best way to start is I'll let you do uh, sort of a little short bio intro and tell us a little bit about you and your partner and uh, Predator World Hunting and what you guys have going on. Sure. Yeah. Uh, predator, predator hunting, mainly coyote has been a passion of mine for over 30 years and, uh, it's my absolute favorite form of hunting. And I would say five, six years ago, uh, hunting partner, Jeff and I, we started predator world hunting and just to kind of post our content and get it out there and kind of get that knowledge base up and entertainment for anybody that was interested in watching. We, uh, done some youtube youtube seasons and a lot of shorts and some videos some filled through scope so a lot of exciting content it sure is yeah blake actually uh was chatting with me a little bit earlier before the show and he's like we got to get him talking about the uh the over the rifle uh camera work so i'm assuming that's yeah, a that is cool or something like that or yeah we run tactic cams we do have some uh some trigger cams but normally it's tactic cam because you can the, the nice thing about them is they're light on the rifle you can have your point of view camera and your camera pointing back and start them with a the one click of a remote really cons inconspicuous when you see that coyote show up so it works quite well for what we do yeah, I guess then you don't have, I mean, you, you do run a camera and another camera as well too, right? So you've got a, one of your partner, your partner out in the field to be filming, but yep. um, yeah, I guess uh, that just adds a, like a completely new or not new, but a completely different uh, element. So yeah, it's awesome. That, that footage is awesome. Um, well, how'd you get it? How'd you get into coyote hunting? Oh, it was probably the seventies. My, uh, my old man has like Cersei hand calls and old hand calls. And he got into it in the, in the seventies back, bought himself a 22, 250 way back in the day. So I started out young. I got to see five, six years old, him hand bombing, hand bombing coyotes in from a very young age. Pretty sure he built an old 
It would have been way long before Fox Pro. It was like an Alpine car stereo with a 40-watt deck and two 6-volt lantern batteries and a 50-foot speaker cable. I was the guy that got to be lucky to go out and string out 50 feet of speaker cable and set out the speaker out there. And that's when you just got to see the benefits of electronic calls and, and how they work. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and, and a lot of excitement from an early age. And that was probably on a, uh, you know, a media platform Blake's not familiar with called a cassette, right? Yeah. A little yeah. cassette deck. Yeah. Those are awesome. <laughs> I started with the same thing. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm from originally from Saskatchewan as well. And my dad, uh, in the wintertime had me out uh, coyote hunting. I think the first animal I ever killed was a coyote. I was just a, just a young guy too. So yeah, I think uh, it, it, it gets in your blood, man. And you, once you, once you call them in on a string, there's no turning back. And I think that that goes for, you know, any animal that you vocalize with, whether it's moose or elk or whatever, right. It's once you start, uh, once you start down that communication path with them, it's, it's absolutely addicting. So it's super, well, that's cool. So um, tell us a little bit about the uh, creation and the evolution of predator world hunting itself. Like that, there's not a lot of platforms out there like yours or, or brands like yours. So tell us about yeah, that. Just something that we kind of started. We wanted to get, we wanted to go down the YouTube route kind of before all the, all the restrictions came. So we were looking at going, going hard down that route in the Instagram, just kind of posting weed. We'd normally shoot between 150 call and shoot 150, 200 coyotes a year. So we wanted to kind of document that and, and Saskatchewan hunting in Saskatchewan has some of the best, best predator hunting around with the biggest and prettiest Western heavy coyotes. So we wanted to, wanted to showcase that for maybe some that would never see that or experience that there. It's, it's quite, it's quite something. So we just kind of come up with the idea and the platform and, and kind of kind of started started going down that route things have kind of changed a little bit with the youtube and uh and how hunting in saskatchewan has changed in the last few years but that was the goal when we started for sure yeah, there's been a lot of changes with the uh um, permission regulations for getting on uh, farmers land and stuff now it used to be pretty flexible um that's you know, a lot of challenges for a predator hunter i would think it is 100%. It's, it makes predator hunting, probably affects predator hunting the most just with the express permission and the amount of different stands and land that you're touching on a daily basis. You Now we used to go before that when it was just post your land and, and you didn't need express permission. We could do 20, 25 stands in a day, hit 23 different property owners. Now it's a little different. You spend most of your time drumming up permission and there's not a real easy or good platform to find that permission and and gather it it's it's pretty poor yeah i mean to get down right to the farmer or the landowner to get his cell you know and no one has most of those old farms i guess would have a landline but a lot of those farmers are running cell phones so they're not directory or or no. any of that stuff so yeah it's a challenge and then uh you know i think though at least my experience with predator hunting uh, permission is if you do get a hold of them it's usually pretty easy because they want them gone right for they sure want them, yeah. reduced but right so getting getting a hold of abc farms limited is the toughest part and who that is and where you go and it's a winter time you do find uh the homestead you roll up there and they're like i'm a hired hand the, the 
the landowners in in Phoenix or Florida, maybe you can get a hold of them. It, it it's quite, it makes it quite challenging for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I was going to ask you um, the uh, the coyote hunting um, competitions. Uh, I didn't even realize there was a circuit. So maybe you could just talk about that a little bit. I know you guys participate in that. Yeah, we participated in some. It's not we don't have a whole bunch right around us, but we've done some done some competitions, and it's uh, it's a, it would be pretty tough now in the way the Saskatchewan rules are. But we've uh, competed in some competitions, and if you've got the land to do it, and and uh, and the access, it it makes it uh, it makes it pretty interesting. And there's some some really uh, really good predator hunters and really good callers out there that are that are masters of their craft. So it's, it's great to see. So is it more of a U.S. based thing then? Is it mostly it's Americans? Mostly, like- it's mostly U.S. based. There's some in Alberta, some in Manitoba and the odd one in Saskatchewan, but yeah, it's mostly a U.S. based thing that they see around mm-hmm. a lot of CRP land and, and some access to land where can't see it. I haven't seen one in Saskatchewan for, uh, for a number of years now with the, with the permission being the way it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious, how does it, what's the structure of a competition? Like Normally how, how does it, it work? Starts up first thing in the morning, goes to the end of the day. You take your picture of your number of coyotes or you bring them all in. Normally the biggest, smallest, and most goes in for a draw. And then basically it's usually up on, on weight and uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. It's uh put put as many dogs down as possible in the shortest period of time yeah it sounds like uh the informal coyote derbies that you used to see back when you and i were kids you'd see ranchers and farmers doing that stuff in saskatchewan all the time they meet at the local pub and yeah yeah set in the morning and kind of line up a pool of money and everybody would take off and go out and have some fun yeah well that's cool so um I'm assuming are are these some of these teams in the U.S. that are doing this? Are they is it like sponsored events and they have a little circuit, or is it like is it at that level? Uh, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the stuff on the U.S. side, but yeah, it, like they can have some sponsors, some big some big cash money. So you see some five thousand dollar first prize stuff. So it's a it's a big deal in some of the states where they're set up really well to host them, and of course you get your you get your anti anti coyote hunting and protests and the hate mail and everything that goes along with hosting a hosting a competition as well. Oh yeah, well, unfortunately, that's the battle we face in the in the hunting space at all levels, and it's it's escalating for sure. But you know, we still gotta we gotta keep doing it, right? We gotta keep keep sticking to our guns, as they say. Hundred percent. Uh, right on. Um, so I know you have some brand partners um, as far as sponsorship and that goes. Is that for the the actual competition side of things, or is it more for the for the YouTube brand? And no, it's I think it's a, a combination of both. But uh, primarily, shoot a lot of competitions, and uh, with Jeff and I, we do a lot of team competition and and long range long long range precision rifle competition so we have uh, apex optics as our primary sponsor so i run apex optics competition scopes on my uh on my competition rifles their hunting scope line on my on my hunting rifles so they're they're a primary sponsor and jeff and i are very involved in and uh 
and our and our sponsored shooters with Apex Optics. We have uh, Go Ballistic Gunsmithing out of uh, out of Saskatchewan here, Star City. He's our he's our primary gunsmith and built our 20 BRs to start off with. He wanted to jump on that project with us when we told him we wanted to build our 20 BR Coyote Coyote uh, Coyote Killers and he was all all about being on on that project and then since then i think he's built probably 15 competition guns for jeff and i and uh and uh and builds absolute hammer so that's dennis at go ballistic gunsmithing in saskatchewan here and i know that uh he's built a lot of other 20s and 22 brs for guys that have requested it once they've seen how ours perform and um, well um for those that know me, I'm a gun nerd, so I'm going to dig into that for for a couple minutes here. So, uh, tell me about your setup. Um, what what's the rifle setup? What kind of action platform are you guys running, and, and how does how does one of his builds look? Sure. So, like basically, you, I'm a big Tika fan, so I build a lot of my guns off Tika. So he, uh, we spec'd out what a 20 BR would look like and sized a, a six BR down to 20 and. Dennis built, uh, ordered a custom reamer for us. We're shooting the Burger 55 grain long range uh, 20 cal varmint bullets with the really high BC that are absolute hammers from 50 yards to 500 yards. And Jeff built his off a, a Bighorns T. I think his is a TL2 or maybe a TL3. And then he's got his in a Manners. I've got mine in a in a KRG right now. I think or maybe well, might be in. Got an MDT XRS that it's going to get dropped into real soon too. But they're just basically uh, benchmark barrels, fast twist benchmark barrel barrels, and in in, uh, in twenty cal set up for the for the twenty BR. So it's a it's a smoking. How does Jeff and I put it as? It's flat like the twenty two two fifty, but with the fur friendliness of a two twenty three. <laughs> and it's 20 cal so it's going to be i mean are you touching that four thousand foot a second mark i guess maybe not with the 55s right no we could but we're sitting right around that 36 3700 feet is where we found a really good accuracy uh -huh. node and it's uh if you look at some of our content it's still it's still a killer out to 500 we've shot numerous at 500 yards but doesn't do a bunch of fur damage when when coyotes were worth something at 50 mm -hmm. yards to 500 it would just it was just the ticket. We like that. We like that fifty grain, fifty grain, uh, fifty grain bullet. But if we wanted to go a fast twist, flat shooting, we would have had to. If in the twenty twos, we would have had to step up to that seventy five, eighty grain. So we wanted to stay down in that in that fifty five grain. And to do that, there was Burger and I think someone else that discontinued. Like it's just the really high BC, long fifty five grain in the twenty cal would. Uh, mm -hmm. Would, would get that done so they work they work pretty good burger since discontinued them however you can still order bullets once a year from graf and sons they'll do a they'll do a special mm -hmm. order burger will fulfill them but we got in and bought uh 2500 bullets each all around across <laughs> canada before the discontinue so we got we got a definitely a barrel life each of worth of bullets and components so see when that when that wears out what we what we're going to do then there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really good BC copper smaller companies coming out now. Like you know, you got Badlands and um, the Hammers stuff like yeah. that. Have you tried any of those? Uh, hammer bullets? I haven't. I've got some hammer bullets that I've used in uh, 
in in my seven psalm and really like them i didn't see anything in that uh super fast super long heavy 20 cal but my again mm-hmm. we're set up with the burgers haven't really looked yeah. to, see, uh, to see what else was out there i know i think black black something in the states had had some had some heavy 20 cows a 60 grain or something but we couldn't could get them in canada so oh, we, black we, blackjack maybe was that black name? yeah 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 man that sounds like a fun little uh fun little caliber what do you, what kind of powder vargas running vargas oh yeah beautiful yep. and then obviously you're using shotguns too i would assume for the up close and personal gotta have a shotgun gotta we both run third bread of 1301 comps um mm-hmm. with uh i got a red dot on mine and for that close quarter when there are days when you can't unconvince them it doesn't matter you mm-hmm. need that shotgun they'll run right to the call or or between you and the call you just there's some days where they're so convinced you can't unconvince them and that's when you need to have the shotgun in your lap mm-hmm. now um i'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about your uh your setup so on the shotgun what do you what do you use for um shot like what's your load that you're shooting i, I like running triple b's or bb so mm-hmm. t shot's my favorite but it's hard to find t so we either run bb or triple b normally okay yeah three inch so um this is probably a situational question but when you have uh when you got a kite coming in, at what point does it does the shotgun get picked up? Like, what yardage are you deciding? I guess you would look at his body language, right? If he's going to continue rolling. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So shotgun's always on your lap, and then the and then the the rifle's kind of just at your ready right there, kind of leaned in on your shoulder. So it's very mm-hmm. it's very quick to just slide the bipod over, get on the shotgun, mm-hmm. and, and get them as they're coming in. So yeah, you just read body language. If they're coming and you got that shotgun, you just let them get as close as possible. But those, uh, it's easy to it's easy to lay them down at that 50, 60, 70 yards that just folds them up like a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Now, being a long range shooter, obviously you're you know you're very well tuned to the dialing of your your turrets for your range and stuff. In a typical coyote scenario playing out, are you are you just basically, I guess with that gun, it doesn't matter. You're probably flat to, what, 400 yards. You're probably just holding on the coyote, right? Probably like out to 250, 300. You're just holding yeah. right on. There's really no, there's no need. And I would say 90% we're shooting inside 150 yards. They're, they're within that 75 to 150 when they stop or you just – or they're circling or they're not super committed. You just whoop them stopped at that 75 to 150 yards and hold right on, squeeze the trigger. Oh man. God, I want to get out so bad now. I'm just jacked. We have no snow, Blake. I'd be up there right now, actually. Uh, So on the calling side, you guys, um, you're running, I'm assuming you're running electronic call and you got a, um, like a action decoy on that or or what do you guys run? Yeah. We got both. We got hand calls that we kind of like to open up with, and we we both run Fox Pros and uh, and action decoys right on the right on the Fox Pros. Uh, you can see that on our on our on our video. Oh, yeah. And just the there's so many benefits of running electronic hand calling is an art, and I'm pretty decent at it. Jeff's superb at it. Um, it's it's definitely an art, but that coyote. They know the square foot the sound is coming from, and mm-hmm. if you're out and we're in the we're in the bald prairie, so it's best to 
try and find some shadows. You don't want to sit any behind anything, but try and find those shadows so you can get away with, uh, so you're not glistening or they catch the sun gleaming off you. Get in the shadows, but put that call out there, that 50 yards or pace off your 30, 50 yards, whatever you want that, that sweet shotgun shot to be and get that call and sound away from your body. It allows you to get away with so much more and, and get that extra second to put that crosshair on there, read their body language and make a, make a perfect shot. So there's so much, so much, so much benefit to running an electronic call these days. Well, exactly. And then, you know, you can change the sound up like automatically just sitting in your hand. If you know your remote really well and you know what calls you've got preloaded on. Yeah. That's, that's the fun part. Um, You know, one of the things that, I always found fascinating with coyote hunting is you get set up and I obviously haven't done near as much as you and it's been decades since I did. But um, the cool thing about coyote hunting, especially in the prairies is you can be set up on a spot and you're, you're watching a, you know, a valley or a draw or coulee or whatever, and you're, you're calling away, but they'll come from anywhere. You know, you got them coming in from behind and running past you and lay. I've had, I've seen guys have them lay down behind and kind of watch and see where that noise is coming from and before they come in. A lot of weird stuff happens. So, um, yeah, that's that's cool. Well, um, you know, our whole our whole strategy with this session is to to kind of engage our uh, our listeners and um, talk tactics because that's that's the juice of it. So maybe you could walk us through a typical morning. Like, how how does it work? Like, give us sure. a day in predator world hunting. Like we we got this when Jeff and I do seminars or we talk about uh, we talk about success. We've got we call it the Predator World Hunting Five Keys Five Key Steps to Becoming an Efficient and uh, and Successful Predator Hunting Hunter. So step one is obviously picking your stand. Picking your stand is super important. You you want to look for predator tracks. If there's snow, if there's mud, you want predator tracks. Look for look for coyote scat. You know. Look for type of habit that may hold the food or water source. Like the number one key rule is call locations where sign indicates predators are in the area. If you if you're not calling where the predators are, you've you've shot yourself in in the foot. So just take the time and uh, and pick a quality stand. And usually in that area, GPS it, mark it down. And once your success, I've got marks all over the province where. We know that we've done our homework and I've successfully called stands and call, called and killed coyotes. So, like, number one, pick your stand. That's uh, that's always the best. Uh, do your homework. Don't just set up wherever, but know that the coyotes are in the area. Then step two, and 80% of your success comes from step two, this step. It's the most important. You, the most important you wanna you wanna take on. It's your stand setup. Stand setup is key. Coyotes are smart. They will burn you every chance they get if you if you allow them to. So obviously you got your wind. Wind key is setup. I like to call a crosswind, or not just so the wind is totally in my face because a lot of times they're coming right from behind you, but. Be smart about how you're going to do wind. Obviously, you don't want it sitting right at your back where you're only looking downwind because they can smell you a long time away. But you want that crosswind where you know if they're going for a flank, you can maybe whoop them, stop, stop, hammer a different sound, get them a little interested. But I like a I like a crosswind setup so you can see uh, see where they're coming. And then if they do tend to come out of 
from behind you, it's not your scent side. It's it's there. They might surprise you, but at least it's not your scent side. Make it so you can see your scent side in case they're they're trying to flank that day. Um, skyline, don't skyline yourself. They got excellent eyesight. Get off the skyline. Don't silhouette yourself, especially uh, especially walking over hills walk on the low side if you're walking out to a stand try not to skyline yourself because before you get out there if they spot you there's no chance you're coming if they see the goal is you see them before they see you and if you're if you're hanging out there on the top of a hillside walking bald like you're just shooting yourself in the foot uh sunshine sunshine is not your friend the best calling days are the overcast low light days where movement and everything is that flat light if it's sun sunshine do your best to to utilize shadows of objects of of corrals of a fence post of of old implements uh trees get in those shadows so you can have some uh have some, get some motion where they're not gonna we're gonna blend in more and obstacles like do yourself a favor don't sit behind obstacles where you're fumbling around and got to move. Sit out in front of it. Your, your movement should be minimal. You're going to watch that animal come in. You're going to watch his body language. You're going to make a move when it's when it's right. Um, when they're not looking at you, you're gonna you're gonna watch his watch for your opportunities. So stand setup is absolutely key. Take the time to do it right, and a good setup is eighty percent of your success. Uh, then we have something called the pre-action where you're getting ready. Don't just sit down, have your gear spread out, get comfortable before you start. You're going to be there for a while. Um, kind of figure out what your call sequence is going to be and, and don't over call. Make sure you got no quick movements. Use your eyes to look around, not your whole, your whole head, your whole body. And uh, make sure you have that shotgun handy because if it's a day where they're running hard, and you can't unconvince them. I, uh, I had a day where we called in 20-some coyotes between me and, uh, and another guy I used to hunt with, Captain Coyote. We called in 21 coyotes that day. And I think wow. we missed 10. All were inside 50 yards. They you just We didn't have the shotgun. You're emptying clips. And they're just coming <laughs> 1,000 miles an hour, not stopping. And you're just shooting air like... Had we had the shotgun, we probably would have had a 20, 20 coyote day that day. Wow. Yeah. So and don't be afraid to change it up. If something's not working, find out what's working. If those, uh, like you got, you got a call sequence we, to start with, your kind of favorites, but pay attention to what they're moving on. And once you find that, they all play by the same, they all read the same newspaper that day. Normally, once you find what's going on, for a good portion of the day, that's going to work on every stand. So once you find yeah. that, the key is find that ticket early and then play the heck out of it at each stand and uh, and start putting start putting fur in the truck. Well, the next one is action time. Be patient. Um, some days they're not running hard. They show up at the twenty five minute half an hour mark. Some days they're running and they're all within uh, they're all within the first five to ten minutes. Just be patient and and see see how they're coming in and when they're coming in and just keep that as a note so you're not cutting yourself short. There's lots of times where you're thinking, oh, there's no coyotes here. You stand up and there's 
two behind you or one looking at you and they've been, you know, have no idea how long they've been there. Just kind of be patient. Um, watch the body language as they're coming in. Like your timing is everything. Okay. It's are smooth. If they're coming in and stopping, it's normal. You can usually don't, you don't have to take that far shot. You'll, you'll watch the body language. If they're setting to bail, it's, it's obvious. Let them stop and come and keep that volume low. Don't scream it in their ear. Um, uh, when to make your move. And that's only going to take just seat time. You're going to know when the time is right. And the more, there's no substitute for field time. When you're out there, you're going to get, it's going to happen. Everyone's going to have trouble. You're going to make mistakes, but that's how you learn. Just you'll get fluent on when to make your move and how to make that squeeze and, 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 and where to put them. I like to shoot them head on and have them stop, put the 10 ring on there. It kills them instant. They go straight down. But some guys like to wait for their wait for them to turn. I always set up so I'm my guns pointing where the call is blasting because they will tend to come and hone in on that call and start beelining for the call. So if you're having your gun in a different direction than the speaker, you're gonna have to move that gun. You may as well have that gun in the direction of the speaker because chances are if they're coming from a long ways away, they're gonna hone in on that sound and beeline to it. That's why I'm not a big fan of dual speaker setups. Some guys may like them. I, I personally don't. I like a single speaker in a single direction so I can control the, the coyote's motion and control his flow. And then multiples. So multiples at the same time, some people really get flustered and it happens regularly where you have multiples come in. Everyone has their, their way of doing it. I, uh, I personally, what I do is, I wait till the close one gets really low. Times you have a hang up and you have one that'll charge in. I wait till the, the close one gets super close and I shoot the far one. Far one goes down, rack, make sure your scope's down at a reasonable power, get on that second coyote. Or if they're close enough where you can still get them with a shotgun, make that shot, grab the shotgun, follow up the second one. That, But a lot of times they're, we don't get to hunt suppressed and it's a, it's, it, it's pretty loud. They're, they're usually on the run the second of the bang, but if you, uh, you get that close one close the second you get the, when we wait until that close one's close, shoot the far one. You usually got ample time to, to have good success on that second one. So just be aware. Okay. Know that square foot where the sound is coming. Don't give away your position early, like try and stay motionless and, and get them close. Cause that's the, it's the most exciting and the and the easiest to get it done effectively. So once sure. your once your action's done, then you got your post action. Um, don't immediately stand up when you kill a coyote. Keep keep calling. You kill one in five minutes. I've shot them five minutes apart, and they've I've had three where they fall on top of each other. They come up to the other coyote, shoot them, they fall on that one. Another one comes up. Boom, he falls in the pile, and I went out and drug three from on literally touching each other on top of each other. So don't immediately stand up. There's there's one, there's a good chance there's more. Um, when you do and you're ready to pack in, stand up slowly, look around. Um, bring your rifle to your pickup to gra grab your coyote. Don't walk barehanded. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more brutal to carry a coyote and carry your gun and drag a coyote. But I don't know how many times if gone up, you go and grab that coyote, you come crest the hill and there's another one standing there that maybe didn't see something or maybe saw you and you got a chance to lay down and go prone and, 
and get him done too. Um, then when coyotes were worth something, like they're not worth too much anymore, but when they were worth something, like fur pre um, preservation, the way you drag them on transport, like take care of your fur. The way we did it was always drag with the fur. I always hooked them on their a string on their canines, not dragged by their back feet, hook a string on their canine, drag with the fur. I always used a rack that I have in the back of my truck that's got some elevation. Therefore, they're not sitting in their own blood. The blood's dripping into the rack. The rack helps them cool and get some airflow underneath so they don't turn green. Um, it helps them not stick to the box of the truck too and freeze down so you don't got to peel them off with a shovel and wreck a bunch of hide. If you're if you're in the fur, fur pre preservation and, and want to do something with it or put it to market, just take that extra step and uh, make sure you stretch them out, have not sit in their own blood, cool them properly. So those are kind of our... Those are kind of our five steps to success for, for predator, according to predator world hunting. Man, that's the uh, that's the encyclopedia of coyote hunting right there. That's awesome. We got a lot of one of Blake's favorite things is to take clips, you know, little gold like we call them gold nuggets, and throw them up on Instagram. So we got a we got a whole jewelry box there. That's awesome. A um, couple questions, Chris. So um, the typical setup, uh, how long do you run until the like what point? At what point do you say in a set this is it's not happening like 30 minutes or so or yeah like, I'm, a, I'm a 30 minute fan if they're not there within 30 minutes uh, like being in, in our calling area and it differs for the day like if they're all coming in and you notice that they're all there within 10 or 15 minutes i might only put in 20 25 minutes but my my minimum stand is 30 minutes where i like to sit um, it's, it's the most, one of the most common questions we get answered is how long do you sit on stand? If you're in an area where there's bobcat, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay for 45 minutes because cats come in a lot slower, a lot longer, and they're probably averaging 30 to 45 minutes. But in the areas where there's not, and you're just primarily after coyotes, I'm a, I'm a minimum 30 minutes. Cause we've had them come in where you're standing up at 20, 25, getting impatient and they're out there and you're like it was coming it was just coming super slow so mm -hmm. where we hunt i like minimum minimum 30 minutes and everyone's like well how far do you call in between stands and it's like if you're in a good plush area like we're just a cup like if you can do it every couple kilometers and make a stand every couple kilometers and in a coyote dense area that's all you need to go they might not hear that call or be excited We've had them come from well past a thousand, twelve hundred yards on the dead run to you. So I like to get out past that one kilometer and and at least in that minimum kind of two kilometer between stands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with coyotes, right? Is there? I mean, as a predator, there's not a weak link in their senses, right? Like their eyes, ears, nose, you know, speed. They got everything and brains, right? So, yeah, interesting stuff. So. Um, when you guys are uh, back to the terrain and stuff, where are you finding coyotes? I just want to touch on that for a sec. Um, if you're like literally just say you're cruising an area and you're looking for a spot outside of tracks and that, what kind of terrain are you looking for? I guess in Saskatchewan, you'd be looking for sloughs, right? Would be yeah, you know, anywhere where I guess where there's food for them, right? Bush, like coolies, pasture land, they're all there. They like to be in with the cattle and, and that too. So any pasture land is always good. If you're, you got a flat absolute dead flat seated crop 
with nothing there. It's a possibility, but you're probably better off finding somewhere where there's maybe an abandoned yard, some trees, some bush, somewhere where they could live and have a den, those sloughs, those those little coolies, the little draw runs. So you're looking for something something like that out of the ordinary. We got a lot of flat cropland, so we like to and and they'll you'll see them. They'll be out and about on that flat cropland. The, the downside is, how do you how do you hide a truck? How do you get out there and be inconspicuous on those flatland? You want to make sure you're setting up a stand where a you you can hide the truck and walk in and not have it be a super long walk, um, so they can't see the vehicle. If they're coming, we've done a poor job where you hide the vehicle and. And then all of a sudden they hang up on this hill and they're 600 yards away and you're like, can't convince them. And then you get out there, drive out and you're out on that area and you're like, well, they seen the truck. They come to 600 yards, seen the vehicle and that's that. So like, it's just about that, finding that, that key setup where your body is, is more important where your body hiding that truck is. And uh, can you get them is, is as important as, as the area deal with uh coyotes and livestock i, I mean i i notice this all the time whenever i'm driving through ranch land there's if you see a bunch of cows feeding there's usually a coyote nearby what's the you know what why are they out there i don't know i think they like obviously they like eating their big thing they like eating afterbirth when there's uh when there's that and having season yeah. can be hard on calves so farmers never want to mm-hmm. see coyotes in their in their in their cows in case you get one stuck or they're in a fence or get caught up mm-hmm. in a Texas gate, you could lose cows to, to, to coyotes and a, and a pack of coyotes. Um, but like, I think they, they like eating the patties. Like I just, I think they like just being in there. There's nutrient rich food sources all the time. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, right? Every time you see a herd of cattle in a pasture, like almost nine times out of 10, there'll be a coyote within a mile of that, right? Oh, so it just seemed to be there. If not right, um, in, the, right in the mix with the, with the herd of cows too. Walking through them, yeah. exactly. Um, now, as far as temperatures go in wintertime, yep. um, is there anything in particular that you like? Obviously, colder weather is going to generate, you know, probably less prey food for them if it's really cold. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? So I like that minus 15 to minus 20. That's my favorite, favorite temperature. So the vehicles aren't getting so cold. Um, Coyotes seem to run really well at that temperature. When you start to get colder, they're, they're cold too. They're curling up. They want to wait for a little bit of a warm span. There's a, and I, I think there's a common misconception that the colder it is, the more they need to, the more they need to fuel up. And it's, it's not the case. Like what found in it's all the opposite, way, right? It's not. So when it's 30 below or 35 below, they're cold too. And they're going to curl up and be like, I'll, I'll, I'll run and eat when it's warmer. They know they're going to spell more energy getting after that meal. And they really got to like, don't get me wrong. It works if they're close, but we don't see them coming from that long distance at, at those temperatures in that, in that beyond that minus 30, they, uh, they like to curl up and there's not a lot of movement. You drive out there, there's there's no rabbits out, there's no nothing out. There's it's just it's just scarce. It's, it's not a game day. And uh they're not uh they're not super excited. So plus it's it can be super dangerous, especially in Saskatchewan. 35 below your vehicle lets you down. You could be miles 
And unless you got, unless you're kitted up to start a fire and be warm, you're mm -hmm. you're playing with your life. There's a possibility you're on back roads. Possibility you're playing with your life too. So it's not only is it not the most efficient, it can be dangerous too. Well, not to mention you're you got to sit still for half an hour minus thirty and then handle a firearm. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, I know when when I lived in Saskatchewan, um, you know we were kind of weekend later in life we were sort of weekend coyote hunters like a lot of guys are and uh, i know my dad and my uncle their strategy was if we had a cold snap for five six days of minus 30 minus 40 as soon as the temps dropped to you know minus 20 and you know it was like a cloudy day and that cold snap broke we always went out then and we found the action was insane because the coyotes were just super hungry and very out you'd see them everywhere they yeah. they can predict the weather. They're they're wait they're gonna wait it out and hundred percent. Your best days are if you can catch a calm day at the end of a cold snap. You're gonna you're gonna have a field day and it'll be one of, it'll be one of your best days of the season. That's usually after a long cold snap when it just starts to warm up right after and you get into that minus twenty or or, or warmer. It's life is gonna be good for you if you're out and and can catch those days. Yeah, right on. And we always seem to see, uh, I don't know if this was just circumstance, but we would see like a larger multiple you know, as far as groups of coyotes after that kind of a weather snap. We seem to run into packs a little bit more. Yeah. I know the ranchers, the ranchers sure hate it when they start seeing coyotes pack up because they know that's just, you know, that's hell on the cattle, right? Because now it's absolutely just more, you know, more ankle biters taking cows down and stuff, right? So yeah, they're hard well, on the upbirds. We've watched them. I watched a pack of coyotes push a bush and jump on the back of whitetail. Like they're they're efficient killers, and they're gonna they're gonna get it done. They for for sure they are. Um, well, let's talk about the uh, the calling strategy. So um, let's go from your setup. And walk us through what your calling looks like on a on a typical stand. It depends on the time of like in February, like you start with a little more vocals because it's mating season. So I like to, in February, I like to open up with some vocals and, and, uh, and wait that five, 10 minutes, just a single vocal, just get them in that area. And, and, uh, if you're in the area of coyotes and they're, uh, they're looking to mate sometimes, uh, sometimes a challenge, sometimes a female invitational, just, just some vocals and, very few vocals waiting five seven minutes in between cows will just show up they're like someone's in my area someone's breeding what's going on so then start that february we like to we like to switch over to more vocals but between between that like early before the sun's down before or before the snows snows on the ground there's bird like everyone's go-to is the rabbit we do use a little bit of rabbit here and there but i like I like birds. I like gophers. I like rodents, like s small mammal stuff and uh, something that could be running, running in the, you see them always hunting voles and, and stuff in the field. So we like some vole squeaks and some other stuff like that. Some pheasant, some Hungarian partridge, just kind of whatever animals you got in that, uh, in your area that you're calling those small mammals, they're their primary source of food. I kind of always start with that, and then, then you gotta, you gotta go into. Uh, oh, there's always there's always pops and some more female vocals at the end of a stand. You know, if you're not having any any luck on the on the on the small mammal distress, 
So it really depends on that type of type of year and the area you're in. So we have some calls that work better for different areas, and it's all just based on on trial and error. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I heard somebody say once, you know, selecting a call, you want to kind of flip it over to the coyote to select his menu, right? Like if it's like you said, you're going to start off. I'm assuming when you said you start off with some vocals on like coyote vocals is yeah, what you're referring vocals. to there, right? So like a like a locator howl or yep. a female or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, do you find it that varies depending on the time of day? Like is first light make a difference versus midday or late afternoon? Not really. It's more the area and the time of year. So sometimes sometimes a year they're just not responding to vocals, period. And sometime a year, it doesn't matter the time of day, you're going to use a vocal every stand throughout the entire day and have really good success. So it's more on the, the time of year and the area you're in if the vocals are going to work. It's, it's tough when I kind of believe that when there's less habitat, the Cayutes area is bigger and they're going to travel a little bit further to kind of protect that area. If there's lots of, if there's lots of area their their area may be smaller. So it's, you might not get as, as much success on the vocal with a smaller area, but on a big open area, those vocals seem to work pretty good. If, uh, if they're like, ah, this is my territory, I'm coming to see what's going on. And then um, does it change a lot as you get into the mating season a little bit? Yeah, like you do definitely use more vocals when it comes into the mating season. Um, you just, they're, they got different stuff on their brain. Eating might be second. So I think like the vocals work really well in that, in that February to the end of March or to the mid-March when, depends on the type of year when rub starts to, to, to show up. But yeah, the, starting that mm -hmm. beginning of February, the vocals seem to work really well. What's your, uh, I'm trying to remember now, what's the coyote season start and stop? So we got an open season. Coyotes are open year round in Saskatchewan. You can kill them as many as you want any day of the year. But I've always tend to uh, to do it on fur prime season. So my coyote season sure. for fur prime, I don't want to shoot them and lay them there. We want to use them, whether even if they're worth nothing, I I give them to my Skinner so he can make garment and, and do whatever. I just drop them off and give it to him. Obviously, up until the last couple of years, we were always taking care, sending them in to NAFA or or a, a different fur sailor or, or a fur buyer. We were always doing that for the last 30 years. But since the price of them has tanked, like pay a Skinner $25, you're not even going to get $25 as a sold. So I just, it's good. We still pick them up and gather them and give it to them. But we only shoot the only shoot the coyotes in that November first to the end of February, first week of March when they start to get some rub on them when they when they wear out. There's a, always exceptions to that. If I get a landowner and he says, "Hey, it's like it's June and I got a bunch of coyotes and they're in my cows. Can you come out and give us a hand and 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 manage them a little bit? We're gonna we're gonna come out and and make some stands and and get them and and take away some of his problem coyotes if they're if they're having a whole bunch of trouble to maintain those relationships. But normally we're not actively going out. We've done it before and it works really well. Calling in the summer works just as good. Um, yeah. You think it, Oh, they're not going to eat as much. It works just as good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the uh, the whole first situation as far as the market goes, um, it's my understanding that the uh, prices are just gone. Like it's not even yeah. You know, there's hardly a dollar to to put on a on a coyote pelt right now. Yeah. So you have uh, you've got somebody that that takes them for you and skins them and yeah. Does, is that a, does he tan them as well then or is, how far I think he's he starting to tan this year. Uh, like he'll he'll still send them to market and just do it for his time and he's like i just do it because i'm bored and if if yeah. if i charge guys 25 dollars to skin and flesh and and stretch a coyote and they're only getting 20 he will do it for himself and if he gets his 20 i guess he gets his a little bit of time a little bit of money for his time to to do it so i just i just donate it to him and say hey whatever it takes maybe to put it to a good cause if he wants to tan make garments he does a little bit of everything well it's interesting when you uh when you think about it right i mean the in your case you guys are still you know actively pursuing the coyotes and i would think you know most hobbyist uh, predator hunters are going to be doing that but on the professional side with uh trappers guys snaring them and stuff i imagine that drops off a bit but i know a lot of those guys that are trapping are going to be ranchers or family or friends and stuff trying to help their ranchers but do you think yeah. there's any impact there is are less coyotes getting killed this year oh 100 this year and last year yeah. numbers are increased huge you talk to landowners they're like the guys that would go down and trap and do it to to make a buck and 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 do it as their as a side source of income they're not coming this this year last year the prices just aren't worth it the cost of fuel is high their time is worth their money so the coyote population is definitely is definitely out of control we're getting lots of calls and texts saying by all means come out there there's piles of them this year so we haven't normally where we go there would be like ah you can't hunt over here because the guy's got a trap line running i've given him permission just don't uh and we haven't heard any of that this year and even there's so many the of them. Year. So there's lots of guys that are still hardcore and will, and will do it and, and kind of do it to maintain those relationships. But there's, I imagine it's a small percentage of what was uh, a few years ago and beyond. Yeah. I know back in my day, back in the prairies, we used to see, um, you'd see a trend in uh, coyote numbers based on a few factors one obviously was you know in those days fur prices were usually pretty consistent you'd see you know it was usually enough to keep guys you know doing it year round but um, we found the population again you know i just remembering as a kid but the population works on a cycle right it works on a cycle with their prey and rabbits and that kind of stuff uh, same goes with mice right you know and all the little rodents and stuff where where are you guys at right now is, is there a lot of like see a lot of jackrabbits out there or are they um, up up or down oh yeah we, i think we're seeing a lot of rabbits so there's there's definitely a lot of rabbit out and uh there's the bird population is flourishing so um there's there's lots of there's lots of prey for them out there this year for sure right so perfect world if you're in the if you're a coyote trying to earn a living you have yep. less guys trying to to put a 20 br in the back of your bean and you've got birds and you got mice and you've got no trappers like holy cow yeah well that's got a i guess there's a lot of a there's a flip to that which would be a and a whole nother podcast is it's not just the ranchers and the cattle it's the deer population too right i mean there's yeah, absolutely that many coyotes depending on the winter you know, deer have enough of a challenge. The whitetail, especially, they got enough of a challenge out there with the with the snowpacks and the hard winter yeah. kills and everything else. So, awesome. Well, one of the uh, 
one of the fun things we like to do on uh, on our uh, live streams is get into some storytelling. And, uh, you know, with the amount of hunts that you've done, um, we'd like to hear some of your, your tales. What's the, what are some of your funner mornings, some of the things that have happened, crazy stuff with coyotes, you name it. I'm sure you got a whole box full. I definitely got a pile, a few of my favorites for sure. Um, the one was that, uh, we call it the big failure, that 21 day coyote where we called in 21 day and missed 10 because we didn't have the shotgun. That's always in the back of your mind. So you'd never make that mistake again, but it was, it was fast and furious. They would come, you would try and start yelling at them at 75 yards. Like, Hey, stop. Whoa. They didn't matter. You couldn't unconvince them. I think my call, they ran into my call and grabbed my decoy, I think three or four times that day. Like no just smashing the decoy <laughs> that was flying and, and just, just slamming it. Like it was just one of them days where you couldn't, you couldn't unconvince them. It, it was, it was a pretty special epic day that turned into a, well, we still, I think we still put 11 in the truck that day, but it should have been, it should have been way more. So that was a, that was a fun time and one that I'll never forget. Uh, had one where uh, how Jeff and I got our got our start was he was into the long range shooting competitions. Had a twenty two two fifty twenty two two fifty built custom, and he wanted to, he reached out and he knew he knew my younger brother, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you do some coyote hunting, and I really want to get into it. Will you uh, will you take me out and show me some?" show me how you do it. And I've only ever kind of done it this way. So we went out, shared secrets and shared tips and started hunting together for days and days and days of year and, and years, years over. But uh, it was like that first year um, we do, we do drops. So it's, it's always nice. The land isn't always conducive where you can hide a vehicle. So we'll grab a, we each grab a radio and uh, drop one guy. That guy will keep driving. The guy steps out of the truck with his gear and his rifle and the shotgun. And uh, the other guy just keeps on going, goes a couple miles away, parks, just kind of waits, gets his gear ready up, changes batteries if need be, and waits for the radio from the other guy. And then we switch off and, and do it again. Especially on those cold days, it's uh, it's good where you can warm up. You're not out on every stand. And so I... Uh, I, uh, he drops me off and I start calling and a pair comes in and I shoot the pair, like within two minutes, keep calling. And that third one comes in, uh, I shoot him and I'm like, Oh, triple triples don't happen every day. That's great. But I'm only seven minutes in call 13 minute yeah. mark, two more come in. And I shoot them and we got a five, five coyote stand done in, in 13 minutes. And I look and I'm like, I'm out of ammo. I didn't bring my other clip. And I'm like, Oh, I just, it's <laughs> almost, like, yeah. So I radio him up. I'm like, Hey, come get me. He's like, well, it's only been, it's only been 13 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I got five down. And he made some comment like, yeah, you got five down and I got a, yeah, super sure. large, I got a super large Johnson. And I'm like, well, you better come over <laughs> here. Cause I don't know what to tell you. So he walks up. He's like, it's like the, it's like it's like the living dead, but with coyotes, there's just bodies. And the furthest one was like 75 yards, and most of them were between 40 and 75 yards. And he thought that yeah, was right a, a five coyote stand. So that was a that was a good day. I think that was on a I think it was on New Year's Eve one day. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, just a dog pile. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, and then we had a day. We had a day in October where just it didn't matter what you're going to. Just every stand, just Caillou just came and came and came, and we just laid them down and had a I think a twelve or a thirteen Caillou day. Um, it was and it was just a pretty fun epic time. There's just always always good ones like that. You know, your doubles, your triples. Some of them are. Mm -hmm. I've had three come in at once, and then you just you kind of get lucky where you shoot the first one, get the second one, and then put a lucky shot on the third, and they're going had triples where they're five minutes apart, where they fall on the one where they fell on top of each other. It's just so hard to pick a favorite because the thing I love the most about predator hunting is it doesn't matter. I called this it's my favorite spot. I call it the corrals. I called it. 10 times in one season so different days but wow. 10 different days and the first nine days produced at least one coyote a lot of times two coyotes it was just the very last time that i got skunked but it was nine for ten you know and and it doesn't matter it's like that sitting in the same spot putting the call in the same spot calling the same direction it was different nine times like coyotes come from a different it, it it's different every single time, and that's what makes it exciting. No one stand, even if it's called in the same place, is ever like another. It keeps your, it keeps you sharp. You always have to be looking. You always have to be conscious. It never goes as you think it's going to go. Wherever you think the, the least possible place a coyote is going to come, that's probably where it's going to come. That's what makes it so so exciting and so addictive. Is it's just uh, it it's fun every single stand. Exactly. It's not, uh, yeah, it's definitely not predictable. So uh, I have a couple questions about this because I've, I've seen some pretty crazy things in my day too when watching other people hunt and stuff. And um, what's the closest that you've had a coyote get to you before you knew he was there? Um, I've had him bump my feet running, running by me. So my feet are stretched out. He ran and I just sitting beside a, a round bale. My feet were out. And as he was going for the call, kind of behind me on my five o'clock he bumped my feet as he was going for the call between me and the call so that was and i've had uh i've had fox do the same i've had fox jump over my legs going to the call mm -hmm. not knowing that i'm there but i've had a coyote bump my bump my boots on the way to the call so that's awesome it's they're pretty do close you... i've had i've shot lots between me and the call i set out the call at 30 yards i've killed lots yeah and been uh you got to just be careful that you're not going to shoot your call. I've been been close a few times with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Watch you don't whack it. Um, yeah. What's your longest shot on a coyote? Uh, uh, my longest shot with the 20 BR, I think, is 550. So I ranged him at mm. 550, did a dial up, and I've shot a number in that right around that. 450 to 500 but 550 was my longest i watched jeff shoot one at 650 which was pretty good um, with the 20 with the 20 yeah and everyone's like well you don't got the wind budget with the, with the 20 cows like you do a six mil and i'm like very true but i don't call coyotes in the wind like it doesn't mm -hmm. work so it's a pretty calm day and sure you you gotta still hold for wind even on a calm day but it's it's really it's not challenging. It's not like shooting a, a, a six mil bullet in 20 mm -hmm. mile an hour wind. We're calling in, we're calling in that five to 10 mile an hour wind at most. 
and uh and or less and yeah like it's it's not a it's a super flat shooting bullet it doesn't have a giant wind budget but you're not calling in the wind anyway well exactly and you know i always tease people a little bit right if you learned how to shoot in saskatchewan you learned how to shoot with the wind no matter what and it, uh, the calmest day in saskatchewan the wind is 5k or more or five miles an hour or more like it's just there's yeah. always depending where you are there's going to be wind there's no there's downdrafts always- or updrafts there's always a wind yeah. so yeah yeah i know and in you know lots of very accomplished shooters have been killing coyotes in the wind for a very long time long before turrets and and you know reticles with windplex and whatnot in them yeah but that's cool well it sounds like that yeah without the wind budget the other side of that is that bullets flying so fast um you know it's there's a science behind you know, shooting a small bullet fast but that's that's pretty cool yeah especially um, if you got, so it's running pretty flat shooting it at that speed yeah for sure um what was I going to ask? Oh, we got a couple questions, I think. Clay, Blake, you want to throw those up there for him? Sure. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, he asked, have you ever come across any koi dogs? I had to, I don't even, I had to look what, what that is, but I guess it's a mix of a dog and a coyote. Yeah. Yep. I've never, if I did, I didn't shoot it because maybe it looked off, but I've never come <laughs> across any koi dogs or, uh, or anything like that like we got big coyotes where where i'm at like we've had i've shot a few in the 60 pound plus that that are just oh, giant yeah. dogs but to shoot a 50 pound coyote is very common in saskatchewan especially in the middle of middle of uh middle of first season but no i've never shot a koi dog but uh i have come across where i've called in lots of domestic dogs and they've yep. come into a call and you gotta you gotta be pretty uh pretty uh pretty cautious we had this one and i'm like oh that's a really pale white white coyote but something looks off and it's running it's running straight towards me i'm like just doesn't look right it turns sideways and then pink spray painted zach and i'm like and he turns around dog on the other side like obviously (laughs) someone had shot his dog or he was worried about someone calling and shooting his dog that he spray painted this dog in season uh in, in kind of deer season coyote season like it's all run across the same but comes in and it was had his name spray painted and pink spray paint on his white fur on the side <laughs> that's hilarious that's hilarious oh, oh that's funny um the, uh, what about one other, um oh sorry I was go ahead, say, there's, there was one other question from clay there um he was talking and just in reference to you were saying how coyotes have an open season is there any uh, pushback or advice or guidance maybe you could give on just like, uh, you know, pups in a certain time of year? Like, uh, is there any approach to that? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of times it's, it's I haven't shot any any pups when it's, they're just tiny and like in the, in the summer seasons, there's uh, definitely a lot of pushback and there's, on a on a weekly basis i'll probably get if i figure i'm not posting enough if i don't get death threats on the weekly basis in predator world hunting and all these uh all these aunties just just uh telling me their opinion which uh sure hey everyone's got an opinion um yeah but yeah like shotgun and pups in october and november is is it's it's pretty super it's 
it's pretty super easy. Like they're coming to the point where they they're starting to learn the game and they're starting to uh, starting to play. And you we like, but our pups are still. By the time November rolls around, our pups are still the size of full grown U.S. coyotes. They're 30, 30, 35 pounds still. Hmm. Yeah, I watched a I watched a YouTube show a couple months back, and there was a an American fellow who's a pretty big predator hunter and his dream hunt was to come to Alberta and, and hunt coyotes. And he came up and, and I think it was Alberta or Saskatchewan. I'm pretty sure it was Alberta. And that was the first thing he said was like, Oh my God, these things are massive. Yeah. And also like the, you touched on it earlier. The, uh, the fur quality uh, is amazing, right? Like the nice white bellies and super long mane and just yeah. color, different color variations. Like, they are they're a pretty cool animal. Right? It's not all about killing them, but you gotta admire a coyote. Think oh, about 100%. the uh, the way a coyote earns a living, right? Just think yeah. about that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It was probably it was probably Alberta and Saskatchewan. Not even can. like obviously yeah. Canadian non-residents can't hunt it, but Saskatchewan non-residents can hunt coyotes either. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, it's your, it's those regulations. I, I, I came, used to come out to Saskatchewan every year after I moved, I've been in BC now for many, many years, but I used, I used to come out whitetail hunting every year yep. and we could buy a coyote tag and uh, a couple of coyote tags back in those days along with our deer tag. And now it's you know Canadian resident drawn. We're not allowed to do that, but um, yep. have you called in, um, have you, what's your, uh, any like unexpected, uh, other predators coming in? I mean, in Southern Saskatchewan, you're not going to see, I guess you'll see some cats. Well, yeah, ever, you guys in, ever... in my years, I've seen two cats. So one, and I've still yet to shoot a bobcat, but, uh, mm -hmm. the one I was calling in a coyote, shot the coyote and the bobcat was just sitting there and it jumped, it jumped away out of my peripheral vision after I shot the coyote and I didn't get a chance at it. And the other one we saw was, uh, I was just doing a, I saw a coyote sneaking. I just did a hand call when we were deer hunting and called them up and shot them with the deer rifle. And then again, saw, saw a cat in that same, in the same rugged coulee that we were, we were deer hunting and, uh, and didn't get a, didn't get a chance at it, but I've called in a cougar, saw a cougar walk in front of me. So that was, uh, that was pretty, it's pretty eerie and unnerving. Like just crossed in front of me at 200 mm -hmm. yards, giving me the evil eye. And I was like, well. Was that, uh, was that down Regina Way? So in the south? Yeah, down Regina Way. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, southwest Saskatchewan. Yep. Yeah. No, I've yep. got family um, down towards like Swift Current and down in. Uh, yep. It was towards, south, uh, southwest Snipers. Yeah. Yeah. They, they get some cougars down in that area now too. Yep. So, um, uh, Blake, I think Clay's got another good question here. Just popped up. You want to read that one up? Sure. Yeah, he was just wondering uh, any any times where the coyote you thought was dead came like was still kicking when you came up to it or were moving it or anything like that. Oh, absolutely. So I had one had one where it uh, um, thought it was dead, and you always bring your rifle. I bring the shotgun with too, and didn't have it, and it grabbed my boot and wouldn't let go of my boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just stepped on it, put the other boot on its neck till it just till it yep. quit. You always like Shut to have. I always like to have something or something to dispatch him you know, if there's a big rock or, or or something. But it's it's always best just to make that make that quick ethical kill the first time. But everyone knows it doesn't always doesn't always work out. That and it's not 100 percent perfect. Sometimes you got to finish them with the 12 bore. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, wow, I mean, this is awesome stuff. I uh, we're we've already killed an hour and ten minutes. Is that clock right, Blake? Or are we longer than that? It's about yeah, an hour. Yeah, hour twelve is what I've got. <laughs> yep. Yeah, beautiful. Um, well, a couple more questions for you, and then we're going to let you go here and uh, move on with your life. You've been you gave us a good hour of content here. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for a couple questions for new coyote hunters or people just getting into the in, onto the scene, um, what as far as resources go? I mean, it's pretty obvious. The one that you guys have your platform on is probably the best one. But what what would you suggest for resources for someone wanting to learn? Uh, coyote hunting like where where would you go if you picked up a gun today new hunter if you picked up a gun today oh there's so many good resources on the internet like the fox pro guys that put out some really good videos some good resources but like get yourself a call get uh get yourself get yourself a gun i everyone always asks what coyote chair i use and what predator chair i use so um like I use this, I use it, it's called a cot chair from, from Cabela's and it's just a chair that goes on a cot, but I just sit on it in the ground cause it's nice and low. I like shooting off a bipod. If I can stand, I'll shoot off a, a tripod and I really like the fat boys tripod. They make a, a really good tripod for kite for predator hunting with a really good predator head and lots of, lots of good stuff. It's very rigid works in the winter. So like the fat boys tripod, if you've got lots of trees and you can stand up and good, get a good vantage point. Um, even if you're, even if you're sitting down, having that tripod there, if you've got a nice narrow window where you don't got to swing a whole bunch, the good benefit of a, of a bipod is if that coyote is coming from, from your nine o'clock or your three o'clock, you can lift it up and set it down and get on, uh, get on point real quick where the tripod might, if having three legs, it might be a little bit of a point. Mm-hmm. So I, if I got to sit and sit down, I like to sit low on the ground and have that gun up in the ready position. So I use the Cabela's cot chair. They make the predator chairs, but we found that they always collapsing and undoing, collapsing and undoing. The screws get bent, screws get worn out, uh, the metal breaks. So we always just use this $40 cot chair um, from cot chair from Cabela's and it works really good. You can get yourself a like a Harris long bipod or an MDT triple pull sky pod on the, off the front of your gun. And it gives you that ability to have a little bit of cant movement and mm-hmm. camber as well as lift in place. So you just, you want to give yourself the best opportunity because think about any direction a coyote could possibly come and what you're going to do if coyote comes from that direction. How are you going to move? Where are you going to place your stuff? If there's lots of snow, I like to kick out snow all the way around the path, not just the little hole in. I stomp down a whole little path so I'm able to move my bipod um, through and, and lay it down just in case because you you're sitting out there like freezing freezing yourself at a cold temperature you want it to you want to capitalize on every opportunity and you want it to be worthwhile you want to be be successful so take those extra things that just allow you to to do that and be patient move as little as possible try and uh try and stay as at least that 30 minutes be patient and uh and don't don't be, be afraid to change it up so um when you guys are on a stand and you're you're filming content for predator hunting world 
you got two guys or you guys run three or two well, guys usually usually two guys so we'll do one guy will do the shooting yeah. and then the other guy will do the filming or uh or if, if we're running the big camera if we're running just the small camera so sometimes we'll run two tacticams one point at me one point at jeff and then we got our film through scope we might both be on stand one guy might primarily have the shotgun one guy will have a a, a rifle ready so Jeff also runs a Tacticam on the end of the shotgun as well. So he runs three Tacticams. Um, well, so he's usually got the shotgun ready. And then we both hit the we both hit the the remote. And I'll try and get an angle from my from my Tacticam on it if he's gonna shoot it with the shotgun. And you can just stitch up lots. But if we're running the big camera, um, we're gonna we'd run one shooter, one uh one guy on the camera, and then you got a doesn't work on every stand because you can't do drops. You got to hide the truck at that point and 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 make that happen. But it's nice where there's there's a clearing or a, or a, where we can a low spot where we can park the truck and then walk over the hill where the truck is in 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 the low spot. It's always nice when we can do that and both sit. Therefore, when you got those doubles or triples, we just count down three, two, one, bang couple bodies fall we normally get the third one so having two on stand is definitely efficient and that's how we learn to communicate and and count down and we would do a point or uh we always reference between us and the call is the, the 12 o'clock and then we would say hey two o'clock coming out you know which direction to turn your eyes or uh mm-hmm. or something like that so and, and it helped with our competition shooting being that familiar and that uh that uh that easy with each other we uh we had that down and we've been very successful in, in, uh, in shooting the, especially the NRL Hunter series in the U S um, we, we won the finale as a team last year. So it was, uh, it was pretty good. And, and all that kind stuff was a, was a big part of that and, and paid off. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, it's a team sport, right? It, yeah. So well, it's like, I mean, you got to look at it that way. individual. You can shoot as individual in the open, open light or shoot as a team. And we've decided to shoot it as a team last year and the year before. And, and I've done, done fairly well in, uh, in, 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 in the whole series. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, this is off topic, but we're going to, we're going to eventually start doing some, uh, you know, a lot more coverage of different things like uh, the NRL. We want to get into some guns and gun yep. sessions and shooting sessions and stuff like that. So I'll probably be reaching back out to you guys and get you both on Absolutely. for a show. Yeah. So what uh, are you guys doing? Any um, um, coyote competitions this year? Is there anything happening this winter, it's, or is it kind of? I don't good? think there's anything on the schedule for coyote comps this year. There's. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't there's nothing on the books there was there's one this weekend in alberta but we just got back from shot show in vegas like this weekend and it just didn't work out for the mm-hmm. timing so we had thought if, if if it was going to work out we'd go to the one in uh one in alberta but it's just it just didn't pan out so there's no you know caillou comps on it jeff and i got announced um to team canada so we're going to shoot the precision rifle series on team Canada this year. So our big focus this year is just, Hey, get out and call coyotes when we can, but we're going to start shooting competitions in March here in March and April all over the U S and then worlds is in, uh, worlds was supposed to be in South Africa, but then moved it to, uh, grand junction, Colorado in September. So we're uh, just excited to, to prep and get ready to, to represent Canada for, uh, for, uh, the PRS. precision rifle nice so what's your uh what are your uh rifle setups for for that series 
so for the NL Hunter series, we primarily shoot 25 Creedmoor. So really fast yep. twist, uh, 25 Creedmoor. We used to shoot six six Creedmoor, but we dropped it down to 25 with the with the onset of some new uh, some new really good high BC bullets in the 25 cal. You got to make a power factor. So like in the NRL Hunter series, you got to you got to make a 380,000 power factor, which is just the speed of your bullet times the grain of your bullet has to equal 380,000 or better. So. Mm-hmm. A six mil will never make power factor. You can shoot a six mil, but you shoot it in what they call the skills division. It's not for uh, for prizes or or points. So we we went and built some twenty five Creedmoors. I shoot a twenty. We both shoot some twenty five Creedmoor in PRS and the and the RTC team challenge as well, um, which is great. Uh, Jeff shoots a six Creedmoor, six GT, um, six BR. I primarily shoot a, a 6BRA in competition. So lots of different calibers in those fast six twists for, for the PRS and then 25 Creed for the for the remainder. So are you running a Tika Custom for that too? So yeah, I like yeah. Uh, yeah. I still got most of my platforms are built off Tika actions. Jeff's a Bighorn mm-hmm. fan, so most of his actions mm-hmm. are built off Bighorn. I'm thinking about changing this year just because – Anything, any of the custom actions are all built off the Remington 700 footprint, and it's yeah. just easier to find components, chassis, triggers, everything Arts, just, that, yeah. just works off that R700 footprint. But hey, I'm a big fan of the Tika actions. I have five of them, and they've let me tell you, they I don't miss because I run a Tika action, that's for sure. Well, you're, uh, you're talking to the right guy. I've built seven Tika custom rifles with Tika actions over the years, yeah. and there's a lot of good things. This is a rabbit hole, Blake. We we don't, you know, we'll be short. See, he kind of looks at me when I start going down gun rabbit holes. But yeah, sing, you know, the the magazine design, you know, stack magazine. They all feed nice. Teak actions yep. are smooth. The tolerances are tight. Um, not a lot of work for the gunsmith to to true that action up. And then there is more components coming out, um, as you know. Like, obviously, like in Australia and Europe, a lot of guys are building stuff around Tikas. So yeah, yeah, glad to hear that. For a factory yeah. action, I don't think you can beat it. Yeah, exactly. And I always, whenever I get a new hunter coming to me and saying, you know, what, um, you know, what would you recommend I I buy for a starter rifle? And I just, out of my own prejudice towards Tikas, I always say, just look, you know, go on CGN and look for a used Tika T3 and, you know, something that you can handle as recoil. And um, I've I've bought and sold a lot of rifles over the years, and I don't think I've ever had a Tika that shot really bad. Like, there, at the end of the day, you can find something that works in it. But, again, you know, I don't work for Tika, by yeah. the way, but uh, happily take any free guns they're sending my way. But, so. <laughs> Well, man, this has been awesome. We're uh, we're almost at that ninety minute mark. Um, it's just been great. We've got a lot of great content. Oh, Clay's got one more. Uh, what about archery for Caius? You know anybody that does that? We've tried it and uh, got a few buddies that we've gone out and uh, and stuck some arrows through in in September just to see what it's like. And yeah, it's it's challenging. That's definitely it's definitely challenging. To uh, they got their eyesight so good. And yep. if you're calling, you gotta be, you gotta be on the ball to do it. But it's uh, it's it's pretty neat seeing seeing an arrow slide through slide through a cave. Like it's uh, oh it's no doubt, pretty, it's pretty neat. So it's not something we actively do, but we wanted to wanted to give it a try and uh, and and do it. I noticed uh, 
Kilias about diseases that coyotes are known to carry. Yeah, mange and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, mange is a big thing. Um, they, we shoot lots of coyotes that have mange, and uh, I just kind of, kind of leave them there. With a lot of guys pick yep. them up and transport and burn them, but I just kind of leave them mm-hmm. there and let nature take a, take care of them. They have a rat tail. I don't want. I've, I hunt with a, a black lab too, and I don't want anything anything like that. Um, Fox, uh, fox are really bad for fleas. It seems like every time I shoot a fox, I'll have fleas in my beard for two days. And they're not really dangerous to anybody, but I use like I got to keep a flea collar on my dog around around coyote season, and and I medicate her up and everything because it's not so much the coyotes, but fox are really bad for fleas, and they'll be in my beard and everything for for two days straight when you when you're gathering up a fox. Um, yeah, other than yeah. that, there's uh, the big thing now is shoulder mites. Coyotes have shoulder mites, and they'll mm-hmm. eat the hair off the top of their shoulders. They'll have a bald patch, and it won't look right. It'll be, like, greasy, and they'll be smelly. So that was only on the last four or five years. Shoulder mites has really come in in Saskatchewan. And uh, same thing with, with the mange. You kind of just leave them, leave them sit there, let the magpies and – Magpies and crows mm-hmm. and ravens have at them, and they'll Mother Nature will have that cleaned up in no time. But so those are the kind of the big ones that uh, you're to look for. Obviously, you don't want to get bit by them. Rabies shots are expensive; like they're six hundred dollars yeah, yeah. for a rabies exactly. shot and that. But yeah, uh, you just those are kind of the big ones. So, Chris, is there a significant other, wife, girlfriend? Oh yeah, I'm married and got a wife and. Uh, We've been together for almost 30 years, so she's definitely used to this and accustomed to it. I had her own <laughs> had her on the garage when I was doing my own skinning, and uh, she was like, well, you're gone all day, Coyote, and then you come, and then you're in the garage skinning and doing that. So I'm like, well, why don't you help me out in the garage? And so then I'm pulling, and she's helping me pull and pull and hide, and there's a point where sometimes they squeeze the bladder, and it's squeeze the bladder. Yeah. It pissed all over. She's like, I'm done. I'm never coming out and helping you again. And like, why don't you take these coyotes, these stinking coyotes out of our garage and get someone. Exactly. So since then I've had a custom skinner do all, do all my coyotes. And, and I just hunt the day, put them in the rack, haul them over the skinners, dump them off, put some, I always put ear tags in it. I have different colored, uh, uh, different colored snap ties and so he knows that mine is mm-hmm. a blue snap tie and put a put a blue earring in it and be like here's the coyotes that dropped off and uh, have a nice day call me when they're ready and i'll pay you and pick them up so she's uh right on she's a she definitely got uh she's a patient and understanding woman to let me hunt all winter long for coyotes and then be gone all summer long shooting competitions and, and chasing that dream well, she must uh, she must be something special, or you must be something special if she's sticking around after you shoot foxes and bring all those fleas in the house. I can tell you that. Yeah, you know, I'd be out in the I'd be kicked out of the house in about two minutes. So, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, buddy. Well, um, so where can we find you guys? What's the you know what channels do you want us to try and get your subscribers to? Where sure. Yeah. We got Predator World Hunting on Instagram, our uh, YouTube Predator World Hunting. It's kind of slowed. We've got some content, but it, it, it's been tough to get out there and justify everything with fuel being the way it is, mm-hmm. and and uh, 
and the camera equipment having that says sometimes there's a second or third guy or a third guy that may, might do the drops for us and and having him along plus it does the camera equipment doesn't work so great last year was horrible we got cold weather and eight feet of snow right off the bat so it, it, it was tough so we're just trying to get some some, a little bit of filming done, get caught up on some some footage that was there. But Predator World Hunting on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, our our competition for anybody that's interested is is three Z E R O Z E R O number six precision three zero six precision is our kind of our oh, competition. Area code. Nice. Yeah, that's a great brand. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, anything exciting? Uh, I've got. I've, sorry, I have to back up. Was Shot Show good? I bet it was. Yeah, Shot Show was pretty awesome. So, like, yeah. we're sponsored and we're sponsored shooters from Apex. So we come down and Apex flies us down. We get to mingle and visit and work the booth, and it was crazy busy this year. It was it, it was great crazy, weather yeah. and, and super busy. Like we went last year as well, but this year was way more people, way busier, and it, it, I think it might have been their busiest mm -hmm. and biggest yet. Got to see some very cool things and and talk with a lot of great people guys we shoot with guys we hunt with and and guys that know our channel and know our brand and which is which is always good and because like oh i'll follow you i'm like oh i'm already following you i'm like oh per perfect thanks you know yeah. so it was, awesome. uh, it was super fun and uh would love going down there and and being in the industry because just full of great people doing what they doing what they love and what they're passionate about man i agree that's why we're in this space you know just the the community needs more people like you out there to to promote it and get along i bet you came home from with from shot show with a trunk full of new goodies too no at shot show you can't buy anything it's illegal to buy anything you can't buy or sell oh. so it's only to showcase order. Nothing, nothing for sale but i come i come with a with a list of goodies that i'm going to be ordering for sure little pre-order going on there yeah awesome Right on, man. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in this one. This has been a great episode, and uh, we appreciate you coming on tonight. And um, thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. I'm glad to glad to be here, and thanks for having me.